<sighs> How you feeling, Hoffman? You're the one who was confident going into this game. You feel like a horse's ass? Uh, I don't want to talk right now because I might cry. <laughs> uh, dude, uh, this is... This is like my worst nightmare, and I've tried to deflect a lot. So this is this is tough because, um, and, and this is the message of Steve Cohen. Okay, you have to understand how fragile the Mets team is, and I, I, this, the, the the fan base is because I, I always hear Tommy. I make fun of Tommy all the time for being too negative. I've been trying to be optimistic. I've been trying to put this, you know, on my back, and I think fans have been trying to be optimistic. But the reality is. This, like you said, is always the underlining tone. And it's going to take a lot to change that narrative. And he's got to recognize it. And they can't – I don't know if it was on more on Epler, more on Sandy Alderson, who was on. But somebody has to take ownership and, and, and somebody has to take blame for this because the collapse could have been – again, it's not a collapse. They're going to win 100 games. They might win 101 games. Whatever. The, the the meltdown of this last month is pathetic, and I put it on management for just kind of twiddling their thumbs the entire time. It's something that the old regime would have done. They didn't do enough at the trade deadline, and I think that if, if they get knocked out— That's the trade deadline, though, dude. It's not just the trade deadline. Sorry to cut you off. It's not just the trade deadline. We've been talking about this since July, early well, that's July. The trade deadline, but that's the trade deadline. But 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 I understand the trade deadline call ups, and I don't want to. You've taught, you touched on it all. So I, I but but there were so many things. It wasn't just about who to bring in and who to trade for. We've discussed how this team could have changed in so many different ways. People you could have brought in just to kind of get an idea of who's on your squad, so that you don't have to wait six six games left in the season for Francisco Alvarez. Let's see what the kids got. He's got nothing. He's yeah, overpowered. The, the the calling up of Vientos and ultimately Alvarez was clunky. Now, both guys haven't produced. That's the problem. And just because they were called up a month earlier doesn't mean they were going to produce. You know, I, I think there's hope that maybe it changes things because you give a kid more time to get used to major league pitching and get used to being in the major leagues. But you have Francisco Alvarez getting a phone call a day before a series against the Atlanta Braves as he's driving from Syracuse to Florida. Hey, oh, by the way, Come over here and make your major league debut. So, yeah, they could have called up these kids earlier. I don't know what difference it would have made. What I think is going to define if things go badly, because that's the thing we always have to preface. They could, even though none of us are confident, go sweep the Padres and go beat the Dodgers. And if ultimately they're sitting in the National League Championship Series, no matter what happens, the divisional race kind of gets forgotten about. It does. Because then there's a new battle. Like, if you're facing the Braves and the NLCS, trust me, what happened in the divisional race isn't going to matter if you could go beat them. But if this season ends early, and I think most of us think it will right now, we will look back at that trade deadline and say, why weren't you more aggressive? Why wasn't Wilson Contreras acquired? Why, what, whatever guy you want to come up with. I know some argue for J.D. Martinez, Wilson Contreras, whoever the hell you want to come up with. Why didn't you do more? Because right now, besides the starters just not living up to their hype, which is on them more than it is Epler or Steve Cohen, it is about this lineup looks weak. You didn't do enough. And results, this is a results-oriented business. There haven't been enough results from this DH spot. 
You knew it was one of the bigger issues at the deadline. It wasn't addressed. Now, I know there's a lot of Mets fans. I'm getting into my Mets text chat. Got to give Aaron Judge $500 million. You got to do this. You got to do that. Listen, there's going to be time for that. I don't want to do that now. We all want to do that now. We all want to fantasize about what they should add to this team for next year. For next year? This has been one of the great regular seasons we witnessed as a fan base until the last three games, and now we're starting to game plan the offseason? Here's what we got a game plan, and it sucks to say it. We got a game plan. Hey, who do you want to play, the Padres or the Phillies? Because I already got the scenarios laid out if you're curious. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Look, they're going to be in the wild card series. This division is gone. Congratulations to the Braves. The Mets are not sweeping the Nationals while the Braves get swept by the Marlins. So as we all face the reality that the Mets are not winning the NL East, they're either going to play the San Diego Padres or the Philadelphia Phillies. And I'll lay it out real quick. And then everybody can decide who they want to play. I'm pretty sure I know who everyone wants to play. It's called not the Padres, even though they've been a 500 team since the, really since June. Look it up. Padres have been a very average team for an extended period of time. And oh, by the way, the Phillies have been choking over the last few weeks. And thankfully for them, the Milwaukee Brewers have been choking harder. But right now, the Padres are a game up on the Phillies, which means the Mets would play the Padres. The Phillies have the tiebreaker. So if the Phillies can take care of business this week, and it ain't going to be easy for them, they're playing the Astros in Houston, and the Padres get picked off once, then it could actually be Mets-Phillies. But I think it is sort of safe to say it's going to be the San Diego Padres, and that's a brutal series. I got to tell you right now, off the top, they have three starters that can match our three starters. If we're basing it on results over the last few months, then yeah, the answer is they can match it. You Darvish has had a very solid year. We know what he's done against the Mets. Blake Snell's a pain in the ass lefty. We know what the Mets do against lefties. And Joe Musgrove's had another solid season. Those are three very good, competent starting pitchers that the Padres are going to throw at the Mets. And Josh Hader's been a lot better over the last month. His ERA is very misleading. And oh yeah, Juan Soto. I know his numbers haven't been brilliant in San Diego, but nobody wants to see Juan Soto at City Field again. Jeez, when they traded him, I thought it was the last of them for a while. That is a tough series. And I'm not even really scared about the four out of six during the regular season. It's the fact that Manny Machado's really good. Juan Soto's really good. Jake Cronenroth has like a punchable face. And then, yes, you've got yourself, no offense, Jake. And then, of course, you have yourself three very competent, hey, they can match up relatively closely to our starting pitchers. And, oh, by the way, it's best of three. You could play a triple-A team. Best of three is dangerous. Not as dangerous as a one-gamer as the Mets experienced in 2016. But the main reason I know I wanted to avoid a wild-card series was not about being matched up with the Dodgers in the second round. It's not really about that. It was about best of threes wild, dude. Anything can happen. And I also wonder as a fan base, are we going to bring that nervous energy to City Field next Friday? Like, is that building going to be, it's going to be packed, but is it going to be packed with that we are waiting for the shoe to drop feel? Because the shoe just dropped and it dropped hard. 
Are we going to be sitting there kind of waiting for Lindor to ground out meekly with guys on base before we start giving him the 2021 boo? I don't know, because I think we're all in bad moods. And even though the playoffs are exciting and it's been six years, blah, 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 I think we're all bitter right now. Yeah, I, I think that that's key right there, Evan. This is that's this is I think the most depressing part of the whole situation is like we said, the Mets are going to win a hundred games a season, right? They clinched a playoff spot, and we kind of glanced over it because there's still a lot of work to do, and we're not really going to celebrate going into the playoffs. And I think that a lot of fans are not thinking that they're going to celebrate in the playoffs either. It's like for a hundred win season. It's like the most depressing season I've ever had in my entire life to, to finish up. Oh, no doubt. Uh, this Look, this could go down if <laughs> things go badly as one of the oddest, exciting, depressing, we're really good, oh, wait, we're not seasons I've ever seen. Because you can't ignore winning 100 games. That, that matters. That's not something I've ever seen, assuming the Mets win at least two games against Washington, and who the hell knows. That's not something I've ever seen. I'm too young to remember 88 to remember 86. And that can't be dismissed as nothing. It's it's something. But the problem is, I think we looked at this team and we're going to define it even further based on postseason success. This wild card series is a brand new thing. If you can't get past a wild card series, oh my, I know how I feel about 2016. I'm disgusted by 2016. And 2016 was so different because they were having a mediocre year, got hot late, were lucky to make the playoffs. They were ravaged by injuries. And so it was easy to have a, hey, I'm just happy to be here attitude. But I don't even have that. I look back at 2016 and say that shouldn't even count. You play two games against the Padres at City Field and you lose two games to them? We really going to want to acknowledge this as even a playoff season, despite all the fun we may have had between April and September. Look, the positive you can try to draw from this is that this is a lesson and that to win, you need to lose first. And I do believe that with a lot of teams. I think the Atlanta Braves are a great example of that. The Braves blew a 3-1 lead in the NLCS. That happened in 2020. They came back. They won the World Series last year. I've always said this about the Bucs. I know it's a different sport, but in the NBA, the Bucs had a lot of brutal playoff losses. And what always scared me about that series with my Nets two years ago is, boy, when they get past the big one, they're off. And that's what happened. Now, this is one year, and this is a different, different team than last year. So I don't even include last year as the year where they learned. I'm hoping that this all happens in one season that the lessons of losing is not an NLCS, let's come back next year, but is a divisional race, let's come back next week. And that's what I'm hoping for. It doesn't mean I think it's going to happen. Look, right now, if you ask any Met fan, I don't know, other than being a pom-pom waver, how you can convince yourself things are just going to go swimmingly in this three-gamer against the Padres and then in a five-gamer against the Dodgers. That's the roadmap now. What a roadmap it is. It's littered with trucks overturned on a highway. I hate to say it, but they look kind of old. They look beat down. They look tired. Yes. That's uh, that's 
that's not a that's not a grounds for success going into the playoffs. I was just trying to find something positive. I was saying maybe this is the thing that wakes them up. No, it's, they- it's but but Ev, like like I don't want to be that dude. But like no, they literally because here's the thing is. They had everything going into this series. Like everything was there. They got they lost six games at home to terrible teams. And they couldn't find a way to win one game in a league. One game. One That's game. All they that, had to do. That was it. No, I know. Even going into this Sunday night game, it was, hey, just take the final game of the series and you could still win this division. But here's the problem with this whole old thing. Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer and Chris Bassett, who are older to different degrees. Obviously, Scherzer being the oldest. DeGrom has barely pitched this season. Scherzer only made like his third start back off the injured list. There really isn't a tired excuse for DeGrom and Scherzer. Now, there could be a health excuse, as we heard with Scherzer and the blister with DeGrom, but there should be no tired excuse. And the two stars of this team, Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso, are not old. They should not be tired. They should not be hitting a wall. They are not 37-year-old veterans. They are in their prime stars who had great regular seasons until this weekend. So the talk of, and I don't disagree, they look old and tired, but it's not an excuse. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. Oh, jeez. I'll tell you this right now. I have no interest in going to City Field this week until the playoffs. And this is from a guy who goes to a lot of games. So don't call me a front runner. This is, you've beat me up. You've worn me out. These games don't freaking matter. And wake me up on Friday. All right? I know some fans do that for months. I'm doing it for like a few days. Get me through this series against Washington. And let's get to Friday, hopefully night. Let's make this a night game so I don't have to sit next to Craig Carton during an afternoon playoff game. Let's get to Friday night and let's hope this narrative changes. Because I will say this, if DeGrom dominates game one, let's assume he starts game one. If DeGrom dominates game one, Mets win 2-0. Doesn't even have to be a lot of offense. And then Scherzer dominates game two. And the Mets very quickly, very quickly advance. Boom, boom, done. They're off to the Dodgers series. I think the attitude of a lot of people, including myself, will change. I've always said that, that how do I explain this? I remember Joe and I had a conversation about the Jaguars, the year they played the Patriots in the AFC championship game. And he said, the Jaguars, even if they win their first game, there's no chance that I'd ever pick them. And I said, Joe, if they win a playoff game, though, your view on them will change. He's like, yeah, it's true. I said, when you see a team win, as opposed to just saying it now, things change. So if the Mets win a playoff series against the Padres and they do it the way we expect them all season long to do it with dominant starting pitching and clutch hitting and Diaz dominating that Rico Bronia we do Saturday night, if they swept the Padres, our tone would be completely different. We would not be moping about what happened against the Braves a week earlier and how they're a dead team. But right now they feel like a dead team. And the other problem is, and it, it pisses me off and it shouldn't. My phone is littered with text messages from Yankee fans just destroying me. And I'm like, I did not text you once about the Yankees this season. 
I really didn't. I wasn't attacking it. And I got one guy texting me the brave mascot running around with the, the logo. I'm like, what? What? So now I got to have it rubbed in. <sighs> it's just. This was our worst nightmare. I mean, that's, that's really what it was. As Met fans, we were told we were being too negative. Maybe not me. Maybe not you. Maybe not all of us. But there were moments of negativity this season. And this was the weekend we feared. Getting swept by the Atlanta Braves and losing the National League East. And yes, they had a lot of opportunities over the last month against bad teams. They absolutely did. But what cost them the NL East is that when they went mano a mano with the team that they were rivals with all year and a team that they had handled for the most part this season, they blew it. And it goes back to that four-game series because that kind of woke them up. The Braves won three out of four. That final game of the series with DeGrom not being able to get through the seventh inning, and I think it was Vaughn Grissom scoring from first base on a hit and Nimmo's noodle arm, and then the weird Lindor slide and Alonzo swinging when Lindor had second stolen against Jansen. Everything about that last game would have been a huge swing. And the Braves wouldn't go away all season long. And they won the NL East, and congratulations to them and boo-hoo for us. Uh, any final thoughts off? Because I just want to, I just want to sleep now. No, no. Let's. I'll talk to you Wednesday. I don't really. We, we, I, I, we're not doing a recap of any of these Nationals games, are we? <laughs> no. Here's how we'll do it. Here's how we'll do it. I'll tell you. I'll lay it out for you. We will give you a podcast Wednesday after the National Series to recap the series a little bit, because I'm sure there'll be some things to talk about it. To talk about. Maybe it's Alvarez getting a couple of hits. Maybe our feel on certain guys change. So we'll do a little bit on the series, and then we'll have a separate podcast where we'll preview the wild card series. So figure we'll have, give you one Wednesday recapping the Nat series and the regular season as a whole. And then on Thursday, we'll give you a postseason preview. All right, that's what we'll do coming up next week on Rico. And uh, Med fans, I listen, I'd love to say something positive. I guess the only positive thing I'll say is, there's a new season beginning on Friday. And maybe the new season will make us forget about the old season. And maybe when we're down the Canyon of Heroes in a month, I can't even say it with a straight face, we'll all laugh about that three-game sweep at the hands of the Braves. We'll all chuckle. We'll say, ah, remember that? Remember how bad that was? If only, if only. And right, I'll be on with Craig, 2 o'clock Monday afternoon, Hoffman producing Tiki and Tierney. There was a beautiful Jet victory and Giant victory for the Giant fans out there, but boy, uh, kind of bittersweet, I must admit. Thank you for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>